Can I tell you something? You and I are literally homesick for our real home. A place we have never been before. But one day by God's grace that eastern sky is going to open. And he's going to say come on home kids to the place I prepared for you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. That God has prepared for those who love him. But yet I sit back and I try to imagine. I try to imagine what it's going to be like. Try to imagine with me, would you? Try to imagine with me. imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine I can only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine, yeah I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? 
to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I I didn't really even know the Lord. I would sit in the back of a pickup or a car. Or I'd sit somewhere in a field and I'd just look at the vast expanse of the universe. And I knew there was something. Oh, I was raised Catholic and we talked about God and we talked about different things, but it wasn't it was not really a tangible thing. It wasn't, it was almost like it was religion. It was almost like it was just something we did. But you know, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of being at the bedside of many people dying that knew Christ. And sadly, I've been at the bedside of a few that died that didn't know Christ. And there's night and day difference. Because there's a longing, there's a, a drawing inside of us that tells us when we know him, we're going home. We're going home. Today, I'm starting a series about heaven, a place for eternity. And I'm going to talk to you today, before we actually get into what the Bible describes as this place called heaven. I'm going to talk about where you and I are today, where you and I are in our lives. Because we have this insatiable longing inside of us. We have, we have these three issues that got to be dealt with. And number one is that, that we got an insatiable longing to be someplace we've never been. How many here know what I'm talking about? You, you, you know there's something more to life than living and dying, but we've never been there. 
And sadly, because of this sin-filled world, we have this sense of guilt that we're constantly trying to overcome. Am I the only one? Is there anybody else can relate to this? Just trying to overcome this every day of life. And most of us because of a fear of future uncertainty. See, we've never been there. We don't know what it really likes when we cross this chasm of life to eternity. I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham, the father of our faith. Look what the scripture says. He confidently looked forward to a city, one that had eternal foundations, whose maker and builder was designed and built by none other than God himself. Now think about that. Abraham, the Bible says he lived his entire life and never saw what he was looking for on earth. Promise after promise, miracle after miracle. The Bible says it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. She was over 90 years old when they gave birth to their son Isaac. Why? I have it in your notes there. Because she believed that God would keep his promise. Look at me, church. God has promised us a place called heaven. And he is going to keep his promise. Can somebody say amen? But look at the people of old. Most of them died not even receiving the promise. They did not receive, but they still believed. Why? Because they saw something from a distance and they welcomed it. That longing that we have, they embraced it. And they made an agreement within themselves that we're just foreigners here. We're nomads. We're sojourners is a fancy word for people who are in a place that they don't belong. Abraham knew this was not his home. Look what it says here in the scripture. Obviously, people who say such things They're looking forward. Are you looking forward to heaven? Are you looking forward to heaven? They're looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, look what it says. They could have gone back at any time. But they were looking for a better place. A heavenly homeland. Can I tell you that as I get older, the more real this becomes. The more insatiable this desire becomes. And our passage concludes with, this is why God was not ashamed to be called their God. And why he's prepared a city for them. Over the book of John, Jesus said, You believe in the Father, believe in me also. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. Now, I I look at it and I like earth. 
I sometimes stand out in the middle of a, of a field. I stand out in the middle of a, of a trailer park where my wife and I are living right now. We sold our home, for those of you all don't know, and we bought another home, but we're remodeling the other home, so we're living in our fifth wheel at uh, Kit Carson. Is that right, Kit Carson? Yeah, Kit Carson RV Park. I was standing out there the other night, and I could see a billion stars. I'm saying, God, you know, I love this earth you made us. But, God, you spent six days on this place. And, Lord, you've been spending 2,000 years on the place I'm going to. Don't you think this is kind of a dump compared to what it's going to be like? Come on, somebody get excited in the house of God. I I think God is preparing a pretty cool place for you and I. C.S. Lewis said, if you want to, you want to see the Christians that did the most in the present world? They were actually the ones that thought the most of the next. It's when Christians stop thinking about heaven that would become ineffective on earth. I've got a home waiting for me. Colossians says it this way, since you've been raised to new life in Christ. And I bolded it in my notes. Did I do it in yours? Set your sights on the realities. Oh, I can feel a rumbling going through here of excitement. On the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died in this life. Your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed to the whole world, we will share in his glory. In your notes, I learned this as a young Christian. God placed in you and me a sense that life doesn't end at the grave. I don't care if you know if you're here today and you know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, you know in your heart of hearts that life does not end when this life is over. Can I tell you something? How many? You don't have to raise your hands, but you watch TV. I have never seen in all of my years as a Christian so many supernatural type movies. Maybe some of you have become fond of them. Remember the movie Sixth Sense? Where the little boy saw dead people? How about the movie Twilight and Harry Potter? Now, I'm not going to get on anybody because they watch these things. How about the, the what do they call this, the, the dead people thing? Uh, what is it? Oh, I know what you guys watch. You know the, the dead, the, what is it called again? Walking dead. Yeah, Heather wouldn't even move her lips. Oh, I'm not going to move my lips. <laughs> you, you know what the enemy is trying to do? He's trying to romanticize death. It's not a big thing. Oh, you die, you just do it again. Mm, not quite like that. Someplace in my Bible it says it's appointed unto man once to die. Good to see you, Jimmy. And after this, the judgment. See, there's something that God placed inside of us that tells us 
There's something more. You know, I, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we don't get any, any cable channels, not because I couldn't call Mark and Jolene and they'd hook us up with, uh, where do you guys work at? Sudden Link. Am I giving a plug for them? I don't know. Anyway, we, we just have, they call it Air TV. And so we don't get much, but we do get a news channel that comes out of Phoenix. And you know, I'm watching this news channel and all of a sudden they got a brand new series called Lucifer. Oh. But they're not promoting it as ooh and ugly and this, this, you know, you see the commercials, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. They're making this guy out to be an okay dude. No. You see, the world has this insatiable urge for the afterlife. If you want to go out of the movies and go back into reality, let's just go back into Egyptian culture, Mayan culture, the different cultures that built these magnificent tombs. Preparing for the afterlife. You know, there's something about this culture, these cultures of old, they realize something that I think you and I don't realize. There's going to be a whole lot longer afterlife than present life. And they prepared for it. So much emphasis. Because they knew they were going to spend much more time in the afterlife than current life. They understood at the core of their being that the next life was much more important than this life. So let me talk to you about that for a few minutes this morning. This longing that every single one of you deal with. Every single one of us want to know what's next. Let me tell you why. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. It's on the screen, but you can look it up in your own Bible. And I want you to mark it. You know what it says? He's made all things beautiful in his time. We can't even understand it. I'm paraphrasing. But then he tells us why. Because he wrote eternity in the heart of man. He placed eternity in our hearts. Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, he spent his entire life writing about the things under the sun or the mundane things of life in light of eternity. It's interesting that he begins the book of Ecclesiastes with these words, vanity of vanities. When you look that up in the original language, you know what he starts it out? Everything in life is meaningless, is what it literally means. He goes through all the things, and you can read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's only 12 chapters long, great, great book of wisdom following the book of Proverbs. And you know, when he was all done with all of the words and all the declarations and all the stuff, he said, I understand there's only one thing that matters, and that is worshiping the king. Nothing else matters. Look at me, church. Look at me. We're talking about, even in today's standards, the wisest man that ever lived. He said, you want to hear the conclusion of the matter there in Ecclesiastes 12? Serve God and live for him. Do you think he might be trying to tell us something? 
So I ask, if he is the wisest man, and everything he tried to do, he failed, but he came to grips with the reality that we were made and belonged to eternity, and the only way to truly find satisfaction is to get our minds off the temporal and to set them on the eternal? Let me leave Solomon. Let me talk to Jesus. The most profound statement Jesus ever made, I'm going to read it out of Matthew 16, were these words here. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, he said, you will save it. And then I want you to look at your notes. It's on the screen. I want you to read this next line with me. And, are you ready? Here we go. And what, come on, read it with me. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Sounds a little bit like what Solomon said, isn't it? What are you trying to live for? You see, before I can get into heaven and describing this glorious, indescribable place, I think we need to address these areas that you and I are frustrated with right now and come to the conclusion and understanding the biggest part of that frustration is we're trying to gain something we were never intended to gain. Look what it says. Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come one day with his angels and the glory of his Father, and he will judge all of those that decided to love the world more than love eternity in Christ. Scripture and I want you to grab this in Romans 8. I didn't put it in, the, in your notes and on the screen, but I want you to read the passage. You know what it says in the book of Romans? God made all of creation subject to vanity. When God created this world, he gave man the choice of trying to fill their life with the emptiness, the meaninglessness of creation or to fill their life with the creator. In another place in the book of Romans, it says they chose to love the created more than the creator, but they will be without excuse. Another place said they're blind, leading the blind, and they all fall in the ditch. Why? Because their eyes are not focused on the eternal, but only on the temporal. You see, what God has told us, everyone has been given the choice of choosing God and his glory or choosing life and the temporary. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we have this insatiableness that we cannot fill. Because God gave us that option. I've had people say, well, pastor, why would he do that? Because that's what love's all about. Do you know why my wife loves me? Not because I'm dashing, debonair, and just incredibly good looking. You could have said amen. But she loves me because she made a choice. 
I'm sorry, guys. I just busted your bubble, didn't I? She made a choice to love you. That's why she puts up with you. Oh, The men weren't supposed to shout amen on that one, just the girls. She made a choice. Just like you, just like me. God said, I'm giving you this option. You can love me if you want or you don't have to. It's okay either way. And then we get people caught up in this whole thing. Well, a loving God would never send anybody to hell. You're right. He's not sending anybody. He's given us a choice if we want to go or not. He said, if you want to, that's not what I want. I want you in heaven. But you know, you know that longing I'm talking about? That emptiness inside? Like I missed something? Like I'm trying to fill a void? No matter how much money, no matter prestige, no matter how much sense of worth I have, there's an emptiness. Did you know the one of the largest proportions of suicides are in the wealthiest people in the world, the re- people that have no reason to end their life if things filled life? Now I'm going to cross this bridge real quick. I, 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 I have gotten people irritated over the years when I talk about eternity. They get bothered. The reason is, is because most people are existentially minded rather than eternally minded. Now, if existentiality is kind of a new word or a a big word, I'll explain it here in just a moment. But we're, we're, we're more existential than eternal. Not because it's not the way God planned. God planned for us to have this imagination of what it's going to be like. Not here and now, but then and there. When I stand up in this pulpit and I talk about the reality that 100%, folks, you can take this to the bank, 100% of the people in this room are going to die. That is just reality. And I know people sit back, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to die. I'm just not going to die today. Really? Did you get a memo I didn't get? Because I don't know. We don't like to think about mortality. Do you know why? Because we know there's something more and that I'm going to have to give account sometime or another for where I'm at. This is why we would rather think about that day as far off. I've actually heard people say, well, he's usually a pretty good pastor until he gets off on these eternity tangents. Folks, it's not a tangent. In my life, this is real as the air I breathe. Do you know why? Eternity is in the heart. It's the very foundation of our life. It's the essence of our character. And by placing eternity in our heart, he set the thought of it, the desire of it, the passion to pursue it at the very forefront of our being. This is why nothing, nowhere, no how will ever bring satisfaction to your life or to mine. Why? God made heaven to satisfy. God made eternity 
dissatisfied. We see it in that longing, that insatiable longing in man. We, we see the same thing in the animal kingdom. Do you know there are animals that will travel thousands of miles to get to a destination they have never been before? It's like they got a homing beacon inside of them that just draws them. I, I love watching the animal channels. Right now, I, I have air channels, so I can't see animal channels. You ever watch an air channel? That, that's what air channel. I got lot. I got lots of air channels. I don't have, but I, I got one last night. They. I don't know what I caught, but it was an animal channel. I was watching the elephants, and I was watching the lions, and I was watching the crocodiles and the hip. I was watching all these animals, and I remember not last night, but a different movie that I had saw about the elephants. They'll travel thousands of miles across barren wasteland because they know there's a homing beacon that takes them. They don't have a road map. They don't have GPS. They got G-O-D. And he wrote in their heart exactly where to go. Can I tell you something? You and I are literally homesick for our real home, a place we have never been before, but one day by God's grace that eastern sky is going to open and he's going to say, come on home, kids, to the place I prepared for you. Many not only deal with this insatiable longing of a place that we've never been, We have this sense of guilt, like there's something wrong in life. There's a lot of religions that have actually built their entire organizations on guilt and condemnation and penalties. Matthew 16, I'll go back to that, said, If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. This is what wraps around this whole sense of guilt. We're trying to hang on to it. Do you know that you can flip the television on at any time, and they have medications you can buy that can make you look younger? Don't you think that I need it either. I keep myself surrounded by younger people like Pastor Philemon and Pastor Ray. Okay, well, <laughs> Pastor Ray and I keep ourselves surrounded by younger people so we can keep that younger. Okay, I'll get off of that really quick. You try to hang on to your life. Who was the famous magician that said he was going to cheat death? Remember Houdini? Guess what? He did. Nobody's going to escape it. But we have this guilt that tries to beat us down. All of us deal with it at one time or another in different capacities. This is why you've got so many try to mask it with alcohol. They try to mask it with drugs. They try to mask it with illicit affairs. Psychiatrists and psychologists. They actually want them to tell, it's not you. 
It's not you that's the problem. Let me encourage you. It is you. It is me. My daughter, thank you so much for praying. Uh, A week ago Friday, we got her into rehab. Okay? Uh, For those of you that don't know, my daughter uh, got uh, hooked on prescription medication, and she has had a horrific time. My wife and I just talked to her yesterday, was it? She sounds awesome. She's been almost a week in there, and uh, she's talking about, well, Dad, you know this, you know this, a 30-day program. I said, no, sweetie. I told him to keep you for 90 days. Dad, do you have Honey, they're going to keep you because this time is going to be the last time. But I went to, I went to a, a program with her one of the times she was in. She was in two times before this, two times before this, 30-day programs. It, did, it just wasn't enough. And I went in there, and I went, and I sat down, and I'm listening to the psychologist. Tell all the parents, don't talk to your kids. Or don't get upset at them. It's not their fault. And I sit here, and I'm listening to all this, and I'm stirring. I'm, I'm bubbling a little bit. And the psychologist recognizes. I don't know if it was the fact that I was sitting there snarling. And she turned to me. Mr. Masters, can you do better? Are you a doctor? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. I have a doctor, doctorate in ministry. I didn't tell her it was in ministry. But I said, I said, ma'am, what you're giving these people is empty hope. Because unless you face responsibility, you can never get past responsibility. And you're telling them it's not their fault. How do you ever expect them to overcome? Oh, it was an interesting class. Uh, that counselor asked my daughter to not have me come back. We have this, ins- this, this guilt inside. And you know why? We've got two reasons. Number one is we're trying to satisfy our life outside of Christ. But the second thing is we're trying to address the wrong we do in life without Christ. We know in our heart of hearts this world won't satisfy us. Only eternity will. This is why when we do something we think is wrong or we or makes us feel guilty, we try very hard to get somebody else involved with us. Hear what I'm saying? When we choose to do something that we know is probably not the best thing to do or that is making us feel this, if we can get others to buy into it with us, you know what it does? It, 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 it uh, releases the weight of our conscience. Why? If it was really bad, they wouldn't be with me, especially when they're Christians. You know, this is why the Bible talks about making decisions as a Christian on who you hang out with. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to meddle a little bit, just a little. You say, what's meddling mean? Stepping on toes. Did you know the Bible tells you if you're hanging out with people that is tearing you down, go find somebody else to hang out with. If you are hanging out with people that are leading you astray, go find somebody else to hang out with. 
If you hang out with people that call themselves Christians and they're not living Christian lives, find somebody else to hang out with. You mean I got to get rid of my old friends? Why haven't you already? Well, they're the only friends I have. Well, maybe it's not always just them. I just had somebody whisper in my ear, why don't they just show themselves friendly? <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Why, why do we hang around with people that we shouldn't hang around with? You know why? They make you feel better not having to be what you should be. Ooh, I just felt that one settle right in. If you hang out with the ones like that, then you don't have to be as good. Why? Because you can compare yourself to them. Well, I'm not as bad as them. Well, it's not about them. It's about him. See, this guilt, the world keeps beating us down with. I got to run back to the platform. I got a long way to go in a short time to get there. Only two pages left. You know what that means to a pastor? Absolutely nothing. There was a a very famous psychiatry wing in London, England, that said, I could release half my patients if I could just find a way to relieve their sense of guilt. Guilt is present in the human soul, and we cannot deal with it without dealing with God. Are you with me? We cannot deal with it without dealing with God. Most of you know my testimony. I I, I used to be in the entertainment business many, many years ago. I played in nightclubs, played music all over the country and all over the world. And I remember when I first got saved, the pastor was under, he didn't, he didn't, get on me and jump on me, and, and I had to still make a living. So I was still playing in the nightclubs when I first got saved. This very dear friend of mine, his name was Lloyd, he decided to come to the nightclub with me one night. I mean, this guy was, this guy was, was godliness incarnate. He was just, he oozed the presence of God. He walked into that room and, and a few other folks from church. I'm playing in this nightclub. We've got hundreds of people everywhere, and I'm playing music in this nightclub, and I look over this one side, and it's like there's a glow where Lloyd and this group was sitting. Listen to this. These people in this nightclub, they were, they were, having, they were laughing. They were singing. Uh, you, know, we, we, you know, we were a pretty good band, you know, and, and we were playing. And they were having a great time, and the Lord spoke to Lloyd while he was sitting there. He said, if you'll pray and ask me to open their eyes, I'll show you what it's really like. So Lloyd prayed, and he said within a second, the entire place was dead silent. The faces changed, the countenance, the joy, the happiness they thought was there was gone. And all of a sudden, they had this sense of guilt weighing on them. See, that's what you and I deal with when the facade of the joy of this world is taken away. Why do we feel guilty? Because we live in a culture 
of instant gratification. A moment ago, I told you I would explain existentialism. Existentialism just simply is the mentality that the only thing that is important in life is what I'm enjoying right now at this moment. I saw an interesting bumper sticker recently said, I want it all and I want it now. I love the counter Christian bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. See, existentialism is basically the reason we live in a world of guilt because it says, who cares about tomorrow? All that matters is instant satisfaction, instant gratification. This fully pervades our culture, and sadly, it has permeated the church. Look at morality. It says, whatever feels good, whatever gives satisfaction, let's do it. Consequences? Ah, that's later. I'm not worried about that. Ethics, morality, invaded by the existential. Every area is invaded. If you're dealing with the physical and you're overweight, just take a pill. You can gain weight. If you want to get buffed up, you can or gain weight. If you want to get buffed up, you can lose weight. Just take a pill. Financially, just go take a plastic credit card. Instantly, you'll get a line of credit. If you want it now, you can have instant fulfillment. Existentialism has fully invaded morality, economics, and even the area of spirituality. This is why we are never satisfied, we are never fulfilled, and we are always feeling the sense of guilt because no matter what we buy, I still need something more. Let me wrap this up today. Because of existentialism, because of this guilt that we try to overcome, because of this insatiable longing for something, we try to build our life on the temporal when God says we were made for the eternal and we have a fear of it because we know we're not living it. Am I making sense today? Now, I know there may be one or two in here that would say, I'm not afraid to die. But the truth is, when you don't know your destination, you are. You are. In today's life, heaven and hell seem like fairy tales. And throughout history, but throughout history, everyone knew the afterlife is where they spent most of their time. While Jesus walked the earth, Do you know the number one message, the central theme of all of his preaching was eternity? We talked about Matthew 16 twice already, but I talk about it again. He said, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What does 60 or 70 years, think about it, church. God has said eternity in our hearts. There's not a person in this room that doesn't know better. We know that life doesn't end at the grave. But if you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about it. If you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about it. I watched a video. John sent me a link to a video recently about a little Jewish boy that died and went to heaven and And, you know, just interesting how God is 
working through. Do you know the number one religion that's getting saved today? Number one is the Islamic group. Muslims are passing everybody in salvation. Do you know why? Let me take you back to a prophecy that God gave Abraham. When Abraham did the wrong thing and went and had a child with, with uh, Hagar, we know the name of the boy was Ishmael. He was not the son of promise. That was the son that came from uh, Sarah some 25 years later. God fulfilled that promise. Ladies and gentlemen, just because God promised it and it didn't happen today or tomorrow doesn't mean it's not going to happen. God keeps his word. God keeps his promise. Okay? So Ishmael is born. Abraham loves Ishmael. Sarah starts to despise Hagar and Ishmael because she knows this was not God's plan and she was the one that started it. She said, have you considered my handmaid? And, of course, Moses said, or Abraham, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen Hagar, yeah. And God told Hagar and Ishmael as they were sent off into the wilderness, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. That was God's promise to Ishmael. You know who Ishmael, his generations are? We call them Islam today. The Ishmaelites. The followers of Muhammad. Do you know why they're all getting saved in hand baskets? Because God made a promise. I'm not going to forget you. Oh, they're, they're doing some pretty funky stuff. You say, Pastor, not all of them are bad. Folks, the Islamic religion is horrible. It is awful. It has one purpose, and that's to annihilate everybody that's not Islamic. It is not a religion of peace. It is not trying to kumbaya at people. It is saying, convert or die. You okay out there? But God made a promise. He said, I'm not going to forget you. And God's drawing them. God's drawn the Jews. God's drawn every corner of the earth. Why? He wants everyone to become Christian. All that would choose him. They have nothing to fear. Because we even long for that day that we go home. Not because we want to die, but because we want what happens after death. And that is heaven. Can I hear you say amen? 1 Corinthians 15, as the worship team comes, says these words, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sin of sting, uh, uh, for for sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin that power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know nothing you're doing in this life for the Lord is in vain or is useless or is meaningless. One day, one day, we won't have to long anymore. One day, all guilt will be quenched. One day, all fear will be gone because we'll be home. D.L. Moody, 
said these words. He said, one day you're going to read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. And I love his response. He said, don't you believe a minute of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I ever have been. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not looking for blowing up. I'm looking for going up because Jesus is calling us home one day real soon. <coughs> and in Romans 14 or 4, it says, he, has handed, he was handed over to die because of your sins and mine. And he was raised to life to settle the guilt, the fear, the longing once and for all. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to take you and try to describe the indescribable. I'm going to take us to a place that I don't think anybody in this room has ever been. There's a few people that have gone to heaven and come back. My wife is going to have the next women's class two weeks from now. You don't want to miss it. She's going to have two video testimonies of men that died and went to heaven and came back to tell. We had, in our second year of Victorious Life, we brought a man by the name of Don Piper. Did you ever read the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven? Don Piper was right here at Victorious Life sharing his story. The movie just came out. Uh, it saddened me the movie talked more about the accident than it did about heaven, but that's, that's what it was. But that Monday night, there's going to be testimonies, there's going to be things that are going to be shared that's going to give us a picture in to this place. But next Sunday, I'm going to talk about where heaven actually is. What's it going to be actually like? And what are we going to do when we get there? Are we just going to strum hope harps on a cloud and float around? I think not. No. The Bible tells us exactly what we'll be doing. So I encourage you, if you've got plans for the next two or three Sundays, unless that plan includes coming to church, cancel it. Because you're going to learn about a place that your heart has longed for since the first breath you breathed. And it's going to be a glorious time. Right now, I can only imagine. But then, I will see it face to face. How am I looking forward to that day? But let me ask you today. Have you been trying to fill this emptiness with everything under the sun? Have you been trying to escape fear by hanging around with people you shouldn't hang around with just because they make you feel better? Because you're not as bad as they are? Are you consumed with fear not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow? What if something happens today? What what if I die? A dear friend of ours, many of you know, uh, Karen Roberts. She's a part of our church, and she hasn't been in church in a few weeks. She's been sick, dealing with things, but her husband got sick. Some of you know Les. Les came to church one time, but church wasn't for him. But I talked to Karen in great lengths, and she said, Pastor, he was saved. I know 
that I know that I know. And I said, okay, praise the Lord. Well, they diagnosed him with a cancer. And within a few days, he was gone. They just found it. We need to pray for Robert Franklin. Robert and Teresa came to our church for years. They moved to Montana. I got a note from Teresa, or I heard it from somebody else, and then I immediately contacted Teresa. Robert has colon cancer, and it's not good. So we pray. And I learned a long time ago, God heals here or God takes it there. Either way, we're healed. But let me ask you, what are you trying to escape? What, are you, what, is, what is this thing you're trying to fill? Maybe it's a better job, a better pay. Maybe you figure if I get a new wife or a new husband, I get rid of the old one, it'll be better. Maybe if I, if I leave and I move away from Flagstaff, maybe I find another church. Maybe if I do this, maybe, maybe if you just get your head out of your butt and start praying. All the pastors are just shaking their head at me right now. Are we okay, Libby? Yeah. I, I look back at Libby and she's here. We got a staff meeting tomorrow. Yes, guy. I know what I'm. I know they're going to talk to me about tomorrow. Pastor, there are certain things you shouldn't say on the pulpit. <laughs> Pray for me at staff meeting tomorrow. But let me ask you. Forget the analogy I just gave you. Where has your head been? Has it been in this world? <laughs> where, 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 where has it been? Because most of us, our hearts are governed by our head when it should be the other way around. Heaven is a real place. I'm going to try to take you as close to it as I can next week. But I encourage you, start asking yourself today, what have I been trying to fill my life with? Why is it that I can't quite get away from this feeling of guilt and incompleteness? And why does fear seem to have such a grip? I can promise you, if you'll just change your vision a little bit and look up it'll change everything that you've seen out there Father I thank you God for your word I thank you for your grace I thank you Lord that you help us to be men and women purposed for one place and that's a place called heaven Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. 
Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.